This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> okay, welcome to Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs Edition. I am your host, mm-hmm. Erica Lance. Co-hosting with me today is... J.M. Paquette. I see you trying to do that much more calmly this time. <laughs> Our guest today is Tanya Todd. She is impeccable. It's amazing. <laughs> Let's talk about what we're drinking because I'm so glad I am after this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I am drinking a, a Malbec called Girl and Dragon. So there's no other like words with it. It's just Girl and Dragon. But yeah. Okay. Um, Jen. Uh, would you like to show us your choo-choo drink up again? <laughs> I am drinking, I'm actually drinking eggnog in a salute of the season. So I'm drinking eggnog in my in But a it's mug a virgin that, eggnog, isn't it? It, it is because I can't drink. So it has milk in it. That's exciting. But I'm drinking it in a mug that used to, um, my grandmother used to make me tea in when I was a little girl. So I have, I have family China happening here. Yes, that's very sweet. See, I would have put whiskey in that. Moving on. <laughs> Tanya, you are drinking something kind of epic. What are you drinking? This is a blind Russian, and it is my favorite alcoholic beverage of all time. It has, what is a blind Russian? I haven't heard the It past. has no vodka in it, which so I don't know why it's called a blind Russian, other than you go blind from drinking too many of them. It is one part Kahlua, one part chocolate liqueur, one part butterscotch, and one part Irish cream and all parts delicious. I am so jealous right now. If I could drink, that is what I would drink. Mm -hmm. It's just candy and alcohol, you know? Right. I was asked the other day, what drink do you drink that um, doesn't taste like you're drinking alcohol? And I'm like, oh my God, there are so many. This is it. Like what direction are you going with this? I used to make uh, white Russians, but with chocolate milk. I don't know what that would be called. I love white Russians. Oh, my God. One of my favorite drinks. But actually with Jen's husband, because me and him have been friends forever and a day. And we used to drink. I don't know what those would be called. But anyway, they were pretty amazing. But in really gigantic. B-52s, where the little ones where you could layer it. That was like, what's a B-52? It's like Kahlua cream. I've never had that, but that sounds something. Good. It was in the Kahlua family. I'm usually down for Kahlua and cream-based alcoholic beverages. Yes. I also like, Jen, you just stopped Mm. talking about alcohol because you haven't been able to drink in like 10 years or some shit. It's been a a long time. Jen used to be able to drink. And And then my tongue swelled up and it was bad. (laughs) If you don't know what a cherry bomb is, it's uh, Red Bull and cherry vodka, which tastes like Skittles, basically. And then get your heart racing way faster than it should. So mm. we used to do those at clubs until the day Jen discovered through a tiramisu that she was allergic to alcohol. Yes. So no fun. Okay. Well, that's probably we- better for you though, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I need another vice. Yeah, well, she's a designated driver now. So that worked out really well for me. <laughs> throwing that Always. I remember everything. She does. She's the only one I trust to remember everything, too. So other people are, do you know what? Nope. I'm not going to listen to you, Jen. You can tell me what happened. <laughs> Amazing stories. Okay. 
This is supposed to be rapid fire, though, and I actually remember my rapid fire questions. <sighs> so the first one is, what is your favorite book of all time? Pride and Prejudice. And I know it's said a million times, but I just love it. I can't help it. I love it. Yay! I love the language. I love that she was ahead of her time. It's just a gorgeous piece of art. Barely letting that go. What is your <laughs> least favorite book? I fucking hate Jane Austen. Anyway, what is your least favorite book of wow. all? <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about Jane Austen. Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, I mostly got through. There's anyway. But um, what is your least favorite book of all time? I don't know that I have one because why would I read it if I disliked it? A lot of times people had to read them for school and stuff like that where they... Oh, okay. Well, if we're going that route, my my least favorite reading experience that was forced upon me was Sister Carrie. <gasps> Theodore Dreiser? Yes. I did not enjoy that. And it was just, it was grueling. I don't, I don't know that the you're supposed that to enjoy remember it. it. <laughs> I think that's one of the themes. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting because there's required that you read now in high school, but not necessarily the list of what you have to read, which is interesting because hmm. somehow my daughter was able to read Twilight in high school as a... I think for any author who wants to be successful, they should read Twilight because there's something compelling about it. There's something that she tapped into that was very marketable. And Definitely. if you want your writing to catch on to millions, you might want to find out what she did. Am I claiming that her writing is amazing? No. no <laughs> but she nailed was, something. Compelling. She yeah. tapped into something and it worked. That should be research required for all aspiring authors. True, but Definitely. do not go write a vampire werewolf teenage love story we're, we're unless you do it better than that <laughs> yeah That's you should do it really well and come up with a whole new thing to do it with pretty please with sugar on top and they but, but what she did is sort of inspired the genre to you know get popular that allowed a bunch of other people to write their own vampire werewolf right. supernatural creature shifters right she kind of made it okay for that and young adults to to you know, because before you had, you always had young adult, but the idea of that paranormal element, you know, she made it popular. Right. So. I, I don't think the writing was great. It was really bad in some cases, but it was still compelling and enjoyable. But I've so read her later that like her later book. She's better. Like, I, you know, the, if like you read the rest of the, like the host and then what was it? The chemist. Like every book, she gets a little bit better. I read. And that's read what it Stephanie should be. Meyer we should all get you know, better she's as learning. we write more. Well, um, for the record, that's true with, I think, most authors that the more you write, the better you get at it. You yeah. have to do that. It's just also, this goes into marketing and hitting a niche and finding out what's out there and being able to be the first in an area or close to the first in an area. Okay, but I know grown men who read the whole Twilight series, one in particular who stayed up until the wee hours of the morning reading it said he hated it. It was terrible. Yeah, but you were still reading it. Yep. You still couldn't I mean, put it down. 
it's that it's got that universal appeal of course you know it's the ungettable get right he's the Mm -hmm. the the one that everybody wants and he wants her he wants that's like the dream right you want the one that everyone wants to want you to be chosen by the special one yeah so that kind of she nailed that and that's not just a young adult thing like that's a no that's common romance into the 17 year old girl in all of us yes that's terrifying okay (laughs) It's so terrible. well it worked no there's a whole true. there's and i don't fault the, her for it no and there's a whole other associated thing like as especially as american readers we are very dismissive of things that teenage girls likes as a kind like teenage girls like right. it we we d- automatically we're like oh well if teenage girls like it then it can't have any value right. at all like we go into things with that mentality that's like an american as a teenage stereotype girl equates to something negative yeah, exactly. So even, you know, she, she did it, she did it well, had it not appealed to teenage girls, had it, you know, think about the Beatles, right? Like now we're like, oh yeah, the Beatles are great. But when they came out, people were like, oh, teenage girls love it. Right. You know, so it's, it, it's that sort of preformed reaction that people have because of the associated readership that, you know, had it that, been a science that we're fiction guilty novel, of as well, right? Exactly. But I don't know. I'm a, wow. I like Twilight. It was decent. The writing in parts is, is really kind of flat, but she gets better as she goes. So I don't know. I also think the right, my biggest problem with Twilight has, is not the writing <laughs> at all. My you don't like Bella. Problem. No, I it's, I don't like that. She chose a very destructive path and that's what all these teenagers got to read. Like it was well, very destructive. Parts of it, but but it also sort of celebrated the idea of of choice, like what you're supposed to do versus what you want to do. And what she wanted to do was be a wife and mother, and that's it, and that's fine. And And that's that's what that book sort of celebrated. And and it was such a different message from all of the other, you know, you have to go to college, you have to have a career, you have to be your own independent person, which is another, you know, message that that is popular. You should have that option available to you and you should Uh, choose it if you want it, but it's mm-hmm. not something that you should have to choose. No, I agree. Trust me. I give many lectures in schools, both <laughs> colleges and high schools, because I've talked to Jen's class called what happens when you don't go to college because I didn't even finish high school and I'm a chief level executive at a company. So I always tell the story of how you can do things differently, but mm-hmm. it's not the easiest path in the entire fucking world. But Y'all I know said you, you my daughter was don't a like the relationship reading this and i remember sitting in the living room i told jen about this the book comes flying over the couch and she was on the book where edward asked bella and she is like this is fucking bullshit and throws the book and i'm like what the hell just happened and she's like she should have chosen jacob and she walked away and i was like i love you (laughs) (laughs) Just, just the fact that we could still have a conversation about it and that book is what you know coming up on 20 years old now <laughs> is it's it really not, it's not 20 shut up jen nobody's interested it's, in your math nope. when did it nope it's shut early 2000s holes. shut your mouth hole nobody's interested in hearing it right now i have students named bella they're 20 wow 18 Okay, back to the rapid fire question. <laughs> We've done again. what two? <laughs> I do not think you understand what that word means. Yeah, you keep using that word. You keep using oh. that word. Um, 
Um, favorite movie? Batman Returns. Ooh, really? why? Why? Michelle Pfeiffer? Why? Because God loves me. He put my favorite actress in my favorite character in my favorite outfit. Okay. Oh, and had it directed by Tim Burton, so it would be all dark and broody and beautiful. That is actually one of my favorite Batman movies, to be honest. Like, I love Heath Ledger. I think Heath Ledger was amazing as the He Joker. was. There can be more than one excellent Batman movie. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I think they've done it well. Believe it or not, I actually love Jared Leto, too, in a way. A lot of people didn't like that at all. I didn't hate him. I, I, I enjoyed Suicide Squad very, very much. It had a lot of enjoyable parts, but some of the writing was pretty bad. <laughs> no, it was. And you what know are what we, I learned about some that kind of though? Suicide Squad? Like, did you say that aloud? <laughs> on screen? Like, did you say that? Well, you know what was interesting is so apparently in the middle of filming this movie that was much more dark, they showed up and said, you need to make this movie like Deadpool. So all of these refilmings and the stuff like that that they talked about apparently was squarely centered around they wanted to take this movie from what it was and make it more like Deadpool. Which is stupid. Deadpool is Deadpool. That's what it, makes him unique. He breaks the fourth wall. Exactly. So that is why you end up with some of the stupid shit that was in that movie was because they refilmed it to make it like Deadpool. However, yeah. to be fair, Deadpool didn't get to be Deadpool the first time Deadpool was on screen. Deadpool had his mouth sewn shut and, <laughs> and then kills himself. Right. Like it was, wait, what? This was the perfect actor for this role and they sewed his mouth shut? Mm -hmm. I actually just watched Deadpool 2 again recently and I love that part at the end where he shows up and he's like, hey! It's fine. I got <laughs> yep. it. Thank you. Right. Let me just kill all of this bad stuff. It made for great moments later. But <laughs> it doesn't mm -hmm. always work out that well. No, it's total. It's again, how to eviscerate a character. Okay. When, um, what is your favorite book to, we talked about this in the last podcast and Erica's violent feelings about this, but what is your favorite book to movie or book to miniseries crossover? We didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about my we favorite. We talked about making books into movies. We did. No, but what's your favorite? Wow. <laughs> didn't think this would be the question that hung you Okay. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice again. The, the 2005 Pride and Prejudice. And I know that's Matthew. controversial, but I don't care. Matthew McFadden is my Mr. Darcy. Mine too. Hey, I love that one. Yes. He's the best. I love he is. Yes. Did you just excommunicate Colin Firth? Is that what just happened? That no, he's great too. I love him walking he's a out. Great of actor. He's not. That's my Mr. amazing. Darcy. But my Mr. Darcy is. Yeah. There's too Knightley. much exposition in that version. They it expand it and they tell you what Mr. Darcy is doing, so you lose tension because now you know you don't have that. I wonder what is happening. You don't wonder. You know they're showing all of it, and that's not good storytelling. So. How do you feel about all of the other Jane Austen stuff, like the Austen Land or the Lost in Austen or all of the books that have spawned? Where, where are some you on the, that? Some of them are great and some of them are just using her name to try to make something on their own. You know, there, there's, I'm fine with people doing it. I think that you have to try. I think if she inspires you to write something great, but you know, they're not all wonderful. 
I recently, this year I read Pride, which is another new one. I like the way that they're incorporating different types of diversity. It's not just one type of, they, they really did a nice job, but it is definitely a, a YA version of it. It's hard to do that particular book nowadays because getting married just isn't the end all and be all of the world anymore. Mm-hmm. So I thought they did a nice job in the spirit of it, but it just, it didn't have the passion of the original book and it didn't have the stakes. Like the stakes just aren't going to be as high. So you don't go that route. You have plenty of other options. It's hard to have the, your whole family is going to be ruined. <laughs> you know, If you don't marry this guy right now, right. Yeah. <laughs> you will be homeless and the starve to death. Of your entire family are on the line for your marriage decision. Like mm-hmm. you have to be with this guy even though you don't like him. And she still says no. Like that's what made Elizabeth such a badass. So she said no to two marriage proposals. And one of those people was super rich. The other one held the fate of her family in, in his hands. Mm-hmm. She's a great character. She is. Uh, can I, don't care Erica, you had a question. I saw it on your <laughs> no, face she's... and now you've lost it. <laughs> no, I have the question. I just, I can't believe we're still fucking talking about, about Jane Austen. <laughs> Um, this my question, is the, the hill I will die on. I love, yeah, her. I love I mean, her work. Yeah, she was yeah. ahead of her time. I love Mr. Knightley, though. He's really my favorite. Just saying. I like okay. him, too. We're not talking about <laughs> Jane Austen anymore. Maybe. We might not be. Um, right. Yeah. Well, ask your question. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was about to say. This might, All roads might lead to Jane Austen here. Um, what about one that was a book to a movie that you were like, this is the worst fucking thing in the world? The Hobbit. They do not pouty face, Jen. That those movies were fucking ridiculous. Go back to the original cartoon that was adorable and told the fucking story, and it was awesome. I love the Lord of the Rings adaptations, but to add to to make a book this big into three movies—that's sacrilege. Like that did not need to happen. If you want to make a side universe of other stories based on these characters great but don't call it the hobbit and i hope you've been put in your place jen that's all i have to say i I appreciate the thought i i just i enjoyed them of course for what they were can you enjoy the most terrible movies i've ever seen in my life (laughs) i am the wrong person to ask (laughs) yeah she is what other terrible movies do you like oh my favorite movie (laughs) It's like Flash Gordon. It's terrible. I, I love it. I was just talking about this movie and it's fun and it's meant to be fun. It's campy. That right? was the intention. It's enjoyable. It's not taking itself seriously. Like exactly. this is a great movie. It's like, no, this is a fun movie. And it is. No, it is. You don't understand. And you have Queen. Like, come right. on. We could, go, we could go down a rabbit hole on this with Jen and her movies, but trust me on this with a thousand percent certainty. Jen is way too nice to some of the stupidest fucking movies that have ever been made ever <laughs> ever I can find a redeeming quality in it that's she is you know one I- of the nicest people you will ever meet and she will tell you like it can be complete trash and she'll be like oh i really love bob he was such an endearing character i'm like he's in the movie for two minutes and she's like i liked him and i'm <laughs> okay. i mean she loves a lot of the nerdy stuff i do that's why i uh, and she's one of my very good friends, but sometimes she'll watch a movie and I'm like, 
This was terrible. So I don't take any movie recommendations from her. Similarly, she loves some of the most ridiculous fiction that is cheesy, like the most yeah. cheesy fiction you can imagine. She's like, this was such a fun book. And I'm like, but she said it's a fun book. It's okay right? to have fun books. They don't have to all be literary. Exactly. So, and I uh, disclaimer those are I spent good for so... that value. Others are good for fun value. Some are just exactly. candy, you know? I spent so much time like in graduate school reading really heavy, dense things. So when I finally finished, I was like, I am reading fluff. I just want to read light, fluffy. Just give me, give me a fun story and I'm in and out. It's perfect. Sometimes yeah. you need that to just lift your spirits. The, the point of the book is not to educate you or to teach you something or to make you smarter in any way or to elevate itself. It's just to make you feel good. And that's okay to read that too. Uh, I don't um, disagree with that. I read paranormal. I read a lot of paranormal romance. I read a lot of things. Jen, on the other hand, <laughs> will take it to the nth degree. I'm just warning you. She will go read non-edited people's self-published works that have oh, that's surprising i know and it makes because me mad editor, that i'm committed like, seems like it would just drive you crazy while you're it, reading it it does it i read i finished a book and i had to give it a low review and it killed me to do it because i was like this it hurts, is so it? terribly edited but your story is really good and your characters are interesting so much so that i like squirmed reading it but i finished the book because i wanted to know what happened but the editing, it was, your grammar was really bad. Um, and I'm not talking like, you know, oh, you were missing a comma. Like, no, I, I had to reread the sentence a couple of times to try and figure out what you were trying yeah. to say. And that's the problem. I found that uh, audiobooks help with uh, poorly edited books because like somebody already went through the, let me make a sentence out of this. <laughs> yeah. And make it try. And editing is important. Sense. No matter which route you go, whether it's traditional or self-publishing, you must get an editor. You can't edit your own work because even if you are an editor, you need someone else to look you at need, what your brain is filling in for you. Exactly. Because oh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I need an editor to, uh, to look over my stuff because it's in my brain. So of course it's right. perfect and wonderful. And then someone else looks at it and they're like, Jen, you're missing half the, oh yeah. If you miss or, part oh, my of a word, like your, your brain has already filled in what you meant to say. You cannot read it unbiased. So you need someone mm -hmm. else to look it over. Yes. Exactly. So Self-published authors out there, please get editors because not a lot of Always. fans are like Jen. Most fans are like me who will get to that point and then throw the book away because I won't finish reading something that is unedited giant pile of crap. I used to finish every book that I started. Like I just had to, and I just got to a certain point where it's, I can't, I can't put this, th this is too much work for me to get through and I can't do this to myself anymore. I don't mm -hmm. actually care how the book ends. I am just doing this so that I can say I finished it to myself, to no one else. It's just a thing I had and I just can't anymore. If you open up a book and it's just backstory, 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 and this already happened and this already happened. And I'm not saying because it's written in past tense because you can have an active past tense story. Had. It, right, everything is just, you're just telling me everything. And there's so much had on the page yeah, sometimes you need it, but it, do it anymore. most of the time you can just get rid of those hats. So what are you reading right now? I just started Will Smith's memoir, which is not a book that I would have picked up on my own. 
but my mm-hmm. sister loves him and she sent it to me and said, I would like to talk about this during our call on Christmas. So I started it and I was, you know, it was a reluctant thing, not excited about it. Memoir is not my favorite thing. It has to be really interesting for me to stick because so many people write their memoirs that shouldn't, or they don't get classes to make it. It doesn't need to be an autobiography. It should be a memoir. (laughs) It should just be pieces of your story, the interesting pieces. And the first chapter starts off with this, oh boy, I know where this is going. I can just feel the trite lesson in this. And then he does give you that trite lesson, but along the way, I'm feeling called out. I'm feeling like he's talking to me personally and I'm inspired and I'm near tears and I'm like, all right, what just happened? <laughs> I just I decided in the first few words I wasn't going to like this chapter. And now I'm like, wow, if that's the first chapter, how is the rest of this going to go? And you realize he's being very vulnerable and sharing some personal aspects of his life that I don't think I could ever share with the public in his situation. It takes a brave person to do that. He doesn't need the money. He mm-hmm. already very, this is not a money grab. He's already very successful and it feels true. It doesn't feel like he's doing it for show. It feels like he's really opening up to help others and inspire them. I think so it's far awesome. it's working. I'm only in the second chapter mm-hmm. now, but it was, I, I was, it was just an unexpected. Wow. He took this simple story that the, the ending is obvious and made it matter. Hmm. Are you reading paper copy, like a, a hardcover paperback, or are you reading ebook? Okay, so she sent me the physical copy of the book, and because I didn't really want to read it, I went ahead and bought the audiobook. I hope she doesn't listen to this, but it turns out it's it's narrated by him, so you get to hear it in his voice. And when I have something that I don't want to read but I should read, I tend to go with the audiobook to get it done faster because you can do it while you're you know, grooming in the morning or walking laps, that kind of thing. And it's great. So now I have both versions. If I want to see, Hey, how did he punctuate that sentence for a memoir? It doesn't feel like you really need the physical copy unless like it's the beastie boy book where you need some of the artwork for the beastie boys book. I recommend doing both the audio version and the physical copy because they have all this incredible art in the book. But if you do the audio version, you get music with it and you get so many different narrators, like all of these really cool people in the industry narrating different parts of it and telling stories. Huh, I didn't know that. I do like memoirs. If they're well done, it's not my go-to <laughs> choice. Like Trevor Noah's memoir, that's my favorite one ever. Like really good. It was just spectacular. And to hear him read it, because he does all the accents of the people that he's come across along the way. It's, it's remarkable. See, I actually am a big fan, ironically enough, of memoirs. Like, I loved Rob Lowe's memoir. It was so entertaining. It gave a piece of Star Wars people don't even realize that he was a part of, believe it or not. I did not read his memoir. Yeah, I enjoyed his. I enjoyed um, what is Neil Patrick Harris did a choose your own autobiography. That was delightful. That's really cool. And I could totally see him doing that. Yeah. And Tina Fey, she did one that was really awesome. Yeah. 
Like there is, I think when it's, it's told by the person, I think it can be really amazing, especially Jane Lynch. She has an amazing autobiography. She has an amazing story. I think it's interesting to, as artists to see where people came from because it didn't just happen. Like I, I often talk about the Marilyn Monroe syndrome where mm-hmm. people think you're going to get automatically discovered for your artwork sitting in a fucking coffee shop somewhere. You know what I mean? That's not what happens. You have to do things. You have to. Right. It takes like years to be an overnight success. Exactly. And so if you don't want to put in that effort and you're hoping somebody will come along and see what a beautiful snowflake princess you are and pick you up and lift you up, that's great. That may happen to you, but more than likely you need to do some shit to get it done. Mm -hmm. So I always think it's fascinating to hear what people did to get it done because all we see is the side where he's on a TV show or he has an album or he has a whatever, but you don't see that like, you know, Tina Fey and oh my gosh, what is her name? The girl that played in Parks and Rec who's Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler. I love hers, her autobiography too, but she talks about those two were in Chicago city improv. I think is the name of it. Probably not, but they were there for years and years and years and years trying to, get their break into doing something and they ended up on Saturday Night Live, you know? It's weird. Is that your cat having some sort of argument with itself, Jen? I'm I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't light up so I didn't think you guys could hear him. He's so loud. Oh yeah, we can hear him. Yeah. I was thinking, oh we all have cats. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. He's he's laying next to me being angry. Yeah. I was gonna say mine's asleep over here. He gave up on being angry. I have me. one in my office because she will try to be all over me when I'm on screen because she knows, oh. oh, you can't do anything. You're busy. And then the other one will all will tell her you have to stop. She's she's working right now. She's on screen. So he's allowed to roam free. He won't get on my lap until we are officially finished. And he'll be like, see, I listened. I, I was aware. <laughs> I love it. The rebel one and not the rebel one. Well, you listen to a lot of audiobooks. How do you feel about paperback, paper books? I love them. As you can see, they're. I really, really love them, but I don't always have time to sit and read. So it just depends on the book whether I I will have a Kindle book going, I will have an audiobook going, and I will have a physical book going almost at all times. Do you mark up your books? Will you write in your books or do no. you keep them like perfectly pretty and don't break no, the spine? I can't do it. I can't fold pages. I can't write in them. I can't do it. That's okay. one of the things I like about Kindle books is you can highlight and you're not destroying anything. <laughs> I think that's funny. I'm the take the book in the bathtub girl. No. So whenever anybody's like, <laughs> hey, I want you, I want you to read this book. I'm like, I'm just warning you. If you're giving me that book, I've even told Jen this, like, it's going in the bathtub. Like this thing is going to go. Yeah. Moisture will be part of this book's history now. Exactly. That's another good reason to have audiobooks, though, because you can listen to it while you're in the tub. Oh, yeah. No, I absolutely, I love audiobooks. Do you follow narrators or do you just stick to the book titles? I used to just stick to book titles, but over the years, I've developed a few, like, Simon Vance, he is the best narrator I've ever heard. And Tom Hiddleston is an amazing narrator. Sometimes he will do the movies, like he'll do the book version of movies that he's been in. And he is good at all the different voices. Just because you're an actor doesn't mean you can be an audiobook narrator. There's more to it. And so I was very pleasantly surprised to see he can change 
and be a woman and be all these different men and read the narration wonderfully. And then there is another, there's a, there are two females, Julia Stevenson, Stevenson is one of them. And I cannot remember. It's like, it's Bonnie something, but, but it's like B-O-N-N-E. I believe you. I, I, I can't, can't, yeah. Oh, I can't think of her last name. You know, I, didn't know I wasn't prepared for that question, but I do. <laughs> I checked to see what has she done because I like the way she reads. We don't prepare people for questions here on Drinking With Authors. We just ask <laughs> random And things. it could just be that, you know, I am, this is my third beverage of the evening with you ladies. So maybe I'm just not remembering things as well as I should be. Cheers to that. Yes. <laughs> I have to say the narrator that did you, the book you, which by the way, I listened to that. I did. Oh. I listened to that one. So he also was the narrator on, oh my goodness, something else recently that I listened to. And I was like, it was funny because my boyfriend was listening to the audio book with me. And I'm like, that is the narrator from you. And I love his voice. I love that book, You. I think it was one of the most brilliantly written books recently. Yeah. For a while, it was a comp title for the book that I have on submission. Like, it's you minus the murder. <laughs> I think that's because I think it's very hard to write from one character's perspective for the entire book. Like, you know, it's interesting right. first person, but it's literally his perception of everything. And I think that's really difficult to write. Oh, Jen question. Jen question. I remember. Do you listen to music while you write? What is your writing setup? I don't usually listen to music while I write. I like there to be silence. I just want to be alone with my muse and my thoughts. But occasionally I'll have a scene and the music is part of that scene. And so I will play that while I'm writing the scene. That said, if there's some kind of noise outside bothering me, I do have something I call Blood Rave. And that it's a collection of songs that I call Blood Rave and it drowns out the other noise. Blood rave. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of music is it? It's techno blood rave. <laughs> like it's what you would expect. Okay. I did. I, it's what you I would expect at a blood rave. <laughs> okay. Do, um, have you ever thought about like uh, having playlists or sharing it with people to like go have, along with I the reading? I have a playlist. Yes. Okay. The, the very first book that I wrote years and years ago that I never finished. It was the first time I had a dream that turned into a book. And I was not trying to write at that point in my life. And I wrote it all on paper. Like it was just, I didn't even have a computer. I don't think, I, don't, I think I was so poor. I didn't even have a computer <laughs> and I wrote it on paper. And I thought, what if one day I write this, you know, I finish this book and I put out a CD with it. So that people have the playlist of the music that is in the story. And then for the second book in the series that's on submission right now, there's this scene that has all these songs in it. And I do have that playlist available because I, I put it all together because then I could listen to it. And the funny thing is so many of those things were just random play songs like I was walking laps and all these songs were coming to me and the scene came together and they were just playing on their own. That it was, that's perfect for this. That's perfect too. It's almost like someone created a playlist of these songs. And so it became that kind of scene where 
someone did create a playlist, but the character doesn't know it. <laughs> That's cool. pretty badass. Okay, what throws you out of a story? What is the number one thing that will throw you out of a story? When I'm reading a story? Yep. Backstory, like blatant author intrusion backstory. It's like, I'm going to stop the story to explain this thing to you right now that happened years ago. Like, that could have just been filtered into the story. You didn't need to stop this story to tell me what happened 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Call it with a info thought. dump. Like, just reference it. Yeah, the info dumps, I can't, I can't deal with it. Okay, what about you as an author? So all of us have little fun things, and either we continue to do them or we recognize them and change what we're doing, but then do a whole new mistake in the next book. Like... What is your, what have been some of your things that you're like, it's really fun, but my character or whatever always does X. I'm not sure I, I understand that question. Jen's characters what? shrug all the time. They literally oh, shrug okay. all the time. So they lift their shoulders now. They lift their shoulders. <laughs> Which is still shrugging. And anyway. That's the important so you, part about having an editor. Even yes. if you are an editor, to tell you that your character is not in shrugged 500 times in probably raised eyebrows, like the whole one eyebrow, mm -hmm. two eyebrows, you know. <laughs> Everybody's eyebrows are animated through the entire right. book. Okay. And I do have a lot of male characters with golden British voices, but you know, that's kind of my thing. I I get just gooey over that kind of thing. And so my characters do too. <laughs> So I understand the Tom Hiddleston obsession, which, yeah, mm -hmm. that goes with that. Okay, Jen, because we're nearing the end of the podcast, I'm going to give you the final question. When you are writing, do you write more? What time of day are you most productive? Are you That's a night person? Final fucking question you came up with? You're, <laughs> you're going to get another So I'm going to give you a roundabout answer. Okay. I'm definitely a night person and... When I first started writing, it would be after work in the afternoon going into the evening, and then I would go to critique groups and then come back and do my revisions late into the night. But as I became more active as an actress, you know, I stopped the day job and I became an actress and had to just find a spot. And I kept, you know, I was volunteering with Henderson Writers Group. I was volunteering with all these causes and my writing kept getting pushed aside Something that I started last November in 2020 is I started at, I started doing my writing at the beginning of the day, because if I do it first, then it can't get pushed and it will just be, this is how I am starting every day. Unless I'm, I am on set, I am going to start my day writing. It helps me get up in the morning. It's the only thing in the world that has ever gotten me out of bed without an alarm. I'm just not a morning person. But if I'm going to get up and write, hey, I'm awake and I'm ready to go. So okay. as Only of last of year. Answer, are you getting a pass on that being the final question? I have another question if you want me uh, to do an additional. <laughs> okay. Well, have, you name, name two authors whose books you always buy regardless. Like when they get a new book out, you buy them. Amanda Skenendor and Oksana Marafiati. All right. Why? The they're my friends question. and I love them <laughs> but they're also really good authors like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't buy their work for other people 
you know, I would, they're my friends. So of course I'm going to buy their work to support them, but I wouldn't buy it for other people to read unless I really believed in their work. And I do. That is awesome. You see the follow-up was much better than the initial question yet. That just just starts. This is why you're the follow-up. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing though, because I have exposed myself to other authors and done the networking and attended writing conferences and put myself in the world. I've been able to meet just fantastic people in the industry whose work I aspire to be, you know, I I look at their work and it's like, I want to be like them someday, but I get to call these people friends and having them as part of my inner circle helps me to be a better writer. That is awesome. And with that, shameless self-promotion time, how do people find you? You can find me on my website, Ms. Tanya Todd, M-S-T-O-N-Y-A-T-O-D-D.com. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, not necessarily in that order, <laughs> at Ms. Tanya Todd. And my podcast is the 52 Love Podcast that's available on YouTube, Spotify, and all the other usual podcast places. And, and then, the book, pull up the oh, book, The Shameless yes. Promotion. Love in the Dunes is a collection of short stories from Nevada authors. They put out, Huntington Press puts out a collection every year. And this year, the topic was love in the dunes. And I have a short story that is taken from a chapter in the novel that is on submission. It's called The Bet. It's very Las Vegas themed, but it's also, you know, it deals with an unexpected kind of love. And I'm very proud of it. We we just put it out in October. And it should be for it should be on sale by next month. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Awesome. Okay, guys, this has been Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs Edition. I've been your host, Erica Lamp. My co-host has been J.M. Piquette. And our guest has been Tanya Todd, who is thoroughly amazing. And we will see you guys next time. Woo! Thank you for.